0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. Oh! Oh, we have quite a few fire experts in here. That's really exciting. Oh, my. Is it California or Oregon? It's Hood? Mount Hood. Both? All of the above. The whole state's on fire. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Jesus is coming back. He will. Maybe today. I don't know. Ah, oh, how you guys doing? Oh, man. It's good to be with you guys. Alright, my friends. Are you ready for tonight? Are you ready to get into this? I don't think I tell you this enough because I have a hard time expressing my affections and emotions. Anybody else have a difficult F in their life? They're more of a T thinker. Sorry, I'm speaking personalities. I'm more of a thinker. I'm a lot of a feeler, but I love you guys, okay? I love you guys. It's hard for me to say those words, but if you don't believe me, I will high-five your face, and that's a sign of affection. Garrett knows I high-fived his face earlier. Oh, man. All right, guys. I have a question for you this evening. Have you ever been a part of something bigger than yourself? Think about it. Think about it. Have you ever been a part of something bigger than yourself? I think I've outed myself before, but I'm a bit of a nerd. Where are my nerds? Ah, holla. Uh, I'm a very specific kind of nerd, or I was a very specific kind of nerd. Um, I was a band nerd. Where are you? Where's my band nerds? I know you're here, you're quiet and silent, but so um, when it comes to uh, being a part of something slightly bigger than yourself, to be honest, I know you'll make fun of me, but band was my very first experience, right, of being a part of something that was bigger than myself. Um, I worked really hard this week to like scan the archives to see if I can find you a picture of my high school Band days? Um, believe it or not, my friends, I was on the world of Facebook before tagging was a thing. I know. <laughs> no, you're like, I'm not even on Facebook now. Um, so I couldn't find all of my my old, old pictures of being... Actually, I could have, but I was a little too embarrassed to show you like my freshman year pictures. Next time. Next time. <laughs> so um, I was a part of... Oh, hold on. I got this. Oh, something bigger than me. Here we go. There it is. The blue and white. Where is my mountain view? There's like one person in here. Oh, oh, there's a few. Yes, mountain view. So this is me, mountain view. Um, you can't see very well. I'm the glowing spot of white on the platform. Um, I liked my senior year because we didn't have to wear the Smurf attire. We got to wear, I well, I was a drum major, so I didn't mean I played the drums. I meant I conducted the band, hence why I'm standing up in front of the band. Um, and I got to wear all white, which was nice, um, instead of the Smurf suits. Um, but there was something about when the crowd of, like, 300 people in blue uniforms, like, descended upon the stadium, you couldn't miss us, right? We were the band, you hear, could hear us, and here's the thing, other than the year I was the drum major and I got to conduct a, a group about this size, all heading up the risers, um, uh, I was a flute and piccolo player. Oh. I hear you. Heard. Heard. Yes. So I literally played the smallest instrument in the band. Uh, I enjoyed playing the piccolo um, for this kind of a setting because you can't miss a piccolo. You can't miss your eardrums being blown out because of the high pitch. Um, So, But I remember the year. I don't have a picture of it, but there was something about being in the band that I love. I I was just an individual musician. I played the flute, But there was something about when you got into a group of people and we're all just on the same pace, like we're in the same music and we're feeling the same feelings. Um, My favorite thing was band trips because you would spend months, 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 months working on a piece of music. Especially if you were, I'm gonna be, here's the thing, if Sam can speak sports references all the time, can I speak music references sometimes? Thank you, okay. So here's the thing, I was a woodwind Ah, woodwind. Okay, so the thing with woodwinds is you don't always get the melody. You just get these crazy runs. You right? You have to play that. And so you would spend months working on like two bars of music, like literally like 16 notes. You would just work on like getting that really fast. And I remember one year we came to competition and we were working on this piece for ages. We drove like six hours in middle of nowhere to this, some college. I don't even remember what the college was because I was more excited about the music. And we're on this like tiny, tiny, tiny stage and you're like snuggled up next to your like row partner and it was just like it was this tiny stage and then this auditorium that just went like straight up for like hundreds of rows. And so everyone's just literally looking down on you while you're playing music. And I just remember playing this music together and the conductor is, is conducting and you play a melodic line and then you hear the French horn sing it back to you and they give it to the, the reeds and the reeds are singing and they pass it on to the brass and everyone is just playing together and you're like, this is so beautiful. And then the conductor, he, he gives you that last note and everyone's holding it and then he cuts it off and a tear runs down his face. <laughs> no joke. And then I'm like... <laughs> Ah, and I turn over to my flute buddy next to and we're all like, we did it, you know? We just play this beautiful song together, and man, band people, do you understand this? Do you understand the joy? It's just, there's something about doing something with a group like that. On my own, I was a, I was a pretty okay musician. I wasn't a great musician. I wasn't the best flute player in the band. They don't tell my band directors that. Um, but when you got a group of people together, it was just beautiful. So that was my first experience of doing something that was bigger than me. And then two years ago, um, I got to go on a mission trip to Haiti. So Haiti is an island off the coast of Florida, and it's one of the most impoverished nations in the world. Okay, And we had the opportunity to go work um, in partnership with a church that ran a school, and that school literally fed dozens and dozens, hundreds of kids every day, gave them an education, See, but the school wanted to do tech classes and they wanted to do evening classes for adults so that adults could go to school, get an education, get a better job, feed and actually keep their children in their home. And so they, were starting, they wanted to start with education so that the home life of families would be better. This is a big, big, big project. And the thing is, is we had a $10,000 project cost, but to help the school do the tech classes, to do the night classes, they don't have electricity... We wanted to purchase them a generator. Right, this generator was like another $8,000. So we're looking at like $20,000. And someone like me, an individual, I'm like, I've never seen $20,000 in my life. You know? Like, uh, what are we going to do? And we had a team of 10, and we're like, we got to raise $20,000. And it was so cool to be a part of this church, because what NGC did as a whole church body, we came together, we donated money, and we gave above and beyond $20,000, and we were able to bring them the generator. We were able to purchase that generator from them. I remember you know, sitting with the, the pastor and the president of the school, and just praying together, and just thanking God for what he had done. And I remembered in that moment, just the very first lesson of, because I'm a Christian, I'm a part of something that's bigger than me. Like, because I'm a part of the kingdom of God, I'm a part of something that's bigger than me. So my question, I've already asked, ask you again, have you ever been a part of something that's bigger than yourself? Some of you experienced the band level of being a part of something, right? You're on a team, you're on a sports team, you're on another kind of team. Maybe you've done a certain club or um, a project at your school. Maybe you've helped out with a charity or some kind of fundraiser. Um, but tonight we're, we're talking about this shift that happens, right, our series are right now shift. Like the shift that happens when Jesus moves into our life. And one of those things that completely shifts for us is our whole purpose and mission. We become a part of something that's bigger than us. And I think there's something in us that wants that. Like, I've sat down with many of you, and you're just like, what's my purpose? Like, what do I do? Like, do I do more than just eat and breathe? Like, there's something in us that wants to have a purpose, that wants to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And tonight, as we look at this, this text now, we're going to learn from Mark. We're going to look at how when Jesus moves on to the scene of our lives, he puts us on a mission. He gives us a purpose. He makes us a part of something bigger than us, and it's bigger, it's the biggest thing that we could be a part of. Are you ready to take a look at it? So tonight, Christians in the room, I want you to see this. I want you to see from Mark, from Jesus, we're gonna hear the words of Jesus, of what it means that Jesus has moved into your life? How has your purpose changed? How has your mission changed? And if you're in here and you're not a Christian, you're visiting, you're hanging out with us, welcome. We're so, we're so glad you're here. And my hope is that by the end of tonight, you'll experience a community that you've never experienced before, that there's something different about us and that you'll get to see what Christianity is all about. What is it that we live for? So let's take a look at this. What is our shift? What is a change of purpose? What is the thing that we live for? What does Jesus do to our purpose when he steps on the scene of our life? So we jump into the scene and Jesus has been teaching. He's teaching a story. He's teaching parables. He's talking about God. He's talking about the kingdom. It's it's much like this, right? He's got his 12 disciples. He's got a room full of people. He's teaching things and he's he's using metaphors. He's using story to explain something. So let's see what Jesus' words are. So it's Jesus speaking. He said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches so that birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. So with many such parables, he spoke the word to them. And as they were able to hear it, he did not speak to them a word, Uh, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So Jesus is teaching, and he's explaining these things, and we see that the first thing um, that Jesus wants us to understand is, he wants us to understand the kingdom of God. You see, this is an odd story to answer the question. You know, our question was like, what shifts in our life? What purpose does God give us? What's this mission that he puts us on? And we see here that Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. This is the big thing. This is the thing that's bigger than us, that as followers of Jesus are a part of. This is the kingdom of God. Jesus knew that he had limited time on earth. He knew he was going to grow up, he was going to become an adult, and he was going to die. He had a few years to teach people everything they needed to know. He didn't waste breath, he didn't waste time, and he spent a lot of time talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus wants us to know about the kingdom of God. So it begs the question, what is the kingdom of God? He says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? He wants us to understand what the kingdom of God is. He's explaining these things in parables. And so what is it? What is the kingdom of God? What does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of God? If you haven't had the opportunity yet in Citizens or throughout your life to read one of the gospels in the Bible, right, there's four gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. These are the stories in life of Jesus. I encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to read all the way through one of them, like pick one and read through. I heard a small group is reading Matthew. Holla, Germany. Germany. Um, They're reading through Matthew right now. I encourage you, take some time, read through a gospel, and you're going to see this theme come out everywhere. The kingdom of God. Because Jesus talked about it. He brought it. And so here we go. The kingdom of God. What is it? First of all, the kingdom of God is, is a kingdom where God is creator and ruler over all creation. Jesus put it together and he says how it should go, right? He put together the laws of physics and gravity and the fact that we have to breathe, right? He put it all together, he wove it together, he created it all and he rules over it all. And we get to know what that kingdom is like because he wrote it down, right? He gave us words in the Bible to know what his kingdom is like. And we see even more clearly now that kingdom was not only started and brought and shown to us, um, but it was accomplished in Jesus. So if you say, man, what does it look like to be a part of the kingdom of God? Like, what does a person in the kingdom of God look like? We have one in the flesh, Jesus. Jesus lived and brought and revealed to us the kingdom of God. And there's a few things he showed us about the kingdom of God. And one is that sacrifice is greater than strength. What an upside down kingdom. Every other ruling authority, every other ruling body on the earth says, power is greater, strength is greater. But Jesus said, no, giving your life for another is greater than so-called strength. Self-sacrificing is greater than selfishness. It's It's a kingdom where humility is greater than power. Jesus stooped to the lowest people. He went to the people that nobody would go to the poor, the disabled, the people that society would hide from them. But Jesus went to them. He went to the humble and he washed the feet of his disciples. He displayed humility and he displayed that it's greater than any power on earth. It's a kingdom of justice. This is not a kingdom where wickedness rules. This is not a kingdom where the poor are oppressed. This is not a kingdom where the weak are exploited. This is a kingdom where justice happens, where morality is a thing, where integrity is a thing, where justice is a thing. God creates morality and he keeps it. But mind-blowingly, and crazy enough, this is also a kingdom of mercy. It's of justice and mercy. It's of justice where wicked doesn't reign, but I don't get the punishment I deserve. It's a kingdom of mercy where evil and selfishness and wickedness is punished, but Jesus took that punishment, and I receive mercy. And lastly, this is a kingdom where Jesus reigns as king. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is king in the kingdom of God. No human can compare. No human can be king. Only Jesus. And this is the kingdom that Jesus talked about. This is the kingdom that Jesus preached. This is the message. This is the sermon that Jesus would constantly teach to his people. And it was like a crazy ripple effect. It was like a still pond just got dropped a giant boulder on it and waves went everywhere. Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be the only answer for your suffering. He claimed that he was the only way you could have life. And some people were like, what? Some people were confused. Some people were just astonished and offended and angry and they wanted to kill him. Some people wanted to follow him. But Jesus continued to teach about the kingdom. And like a ripple effect, it would spread. Right? He started by teaching his disciples everything about the kingdom. This is what it's like to live in the kingdom. <clears throat> he says he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples. He explained everything. But he also explained it to those that were able to hear it. Those who would receive the kingdom. Who would say, yes, Jesus is king. He began to teach that and he began to spread and so before we even get into what this kingdom is like, I have to ask you, have you encountered this Jesus? Like the ripple effect, has your heart been this still spawned and suddenly Jesus gets dropped into it and waves are spreading? Have you encountered King Jesus, King of the kingdom of God? Have you experienced the ripple effect that changes everything you do? Christians, last week we learned that our people are God's people. Do you remember that? That those of us in here that are Christians, we're brothers and sisters, were family. But it's even more than that. When Jesus moves into your life, he makes you not only a part of a family, but a part of a movement, a part of a Christian part of a kingdom of God, right? Being a Christian isn't about just being an individual that follows Jesus. You are suddenly in the kingdom of God. You're put on a new mission. You have a new purpose. You have a new direction. You're no longer the center of your life, but Jesus is, right? Your passions and your desires and and what you think you wanna do, your end goal becomes this wider goal, this greater, bigger mission because you become a part of the kingdom of God. So being a Christian means being a part of the kingdom of God. Are you a part of the kingdom of God? So Jesus wants us to know. He wants us to know what the kingdom of God is like. And so, he gives us a story. We begin again, he says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parables shall we use for it? So he begins to tell a story, he begins to give a metaphor. I like a good metaphor. It helps me understand things. So he says, it's like a grain of a mustard seed, which when it's sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. So the kingdom of God starts like a seed. It starts small. It starts really small. The kingdom of God starts small. And most of you in your daily life, like seeds are insignificant, they're not really useful. You don't really encounter you know, seeds that much. They're really super tiny. I mean, some of you, maybe um, you eat the poppy seed muffins from Costco. You're like, amongst the choices, you got the chocolate muffin, you got the blueberry muffin. I'm not choosing the poppy seed muffin, right? How many of you are poppy seed lovers? Wow, props to the poppy seed. That's great. That's exciting. I enjoy a good poppy seed muffin. How many of you have no idea what a poppy seed muffin is? It's just a muffin with a bunch of spots in it. (laughs) So, I mean, but I would imagine when you're eating a poppy seed muffin, you are not just flabbergasted by the poppy seed muffin. That's a big fancy word, flabbergasted. (laughs) Right? You're not eating this muffin and you're not counting every seed. You're like, look, there's that seed and there's that one and then there's that one, right? You just you don't care. You're eating the poppy seed muffin. Or um, if you are a smoothie fan, Um, If you go to Jamba or Tropical, uh, quick poll. Jamba. Ooh, ooh, Tropical Smoothie. Okay, do this again. Jamba. Half of you are not smoothie people. Tropical Smoothie. Man. Um, In case anybody's wondering, (laughs) my birthday has already passed, but if you're just like hanging out at one of those places, uh, Caribbean Passion at Jamba, that's my favorite, and then Sunrise Sunset at Tropical Yes, yes. Um, but, you know, a seed, the only time you would notice a seed in your smoothie is like when it gets stuck in your tooth, you know, when it's like super annoying. You're like, ah, strawberry seed, right? Um, or the only other seed in my life that I enjoy eating is sunflower seeds, specifically ranch. Anybody? I feel insulted that you don't like my ranch sunflower seeds. Alright, original sunflower seeds? Boring. Barbecue? Gross. Dr. Pepper? Oh my gosh. Alright, cracked pepper. That's good. Okay, I like it. Where's my ranch people? Thank you. Yes. That used to be my summer camp tradition, is you have a bag of sunflower seeds and an empty water bottle. Yep. Other than that, right? Seeds don't really matter in our life, right? It's kind of small. Did you say dill pickle? That's a flavor? Uh, All in favor for a sunflower seed bar next week? Four people, you and me. All right, here we go. Oh, man. All right, seeds. All right, we got off topic. Uh, It's not off topic, but... Other than maybe a few encounters, right? Seeds aren't really significant in our life. They're small... They don't really mean anything. But Jesus says, like, this is how small the kingdom of God begins. Right? He's looking at, like I said, he's looking at a room like this. And he's got his 12 disciples in front of him. And there's a handful of people following him. Could you imagine being Jesus in this moment? Like, sitting down with those 12 disciples and looking all of those men in the eye and knowing that they're going to die because they're part of the kingdom of God. That they're going to face trial and persecution and that they're gonna die for their faith. And, he, and as he's looking those people in their eye, he's saying, I need to give them something to know about the kingdom of God that will keep them through it. And he says, it starts small. It starts like a seed. But the thing about seeds is that they grow. They grow. And the kingdom of God started small, sorry, but it grew large. Right? The kingdom of God, it started with a young woman named Mary who just wanted to obey God and so she followed God she had a son named Jesus and then a few shepherds right and other visitors came and then this crazy man named John the Baptist he sounds as crazy as he looks he he started declaring when Jesus came on the scene he said behold the kingdom of God is at hand like Jesus walks on the scene he says look the kingdom of God is here and then Jesus starts picking out 12 disciples, 12 men. This is still a small group of people. And, and then handfuls of people began to follow Jesus after that. And these people weren't anything remarkable. They were fishermen. They were tradesmen. They were townspeople. They were poor people. They weren't rich or influential or uh, government people. They weren't even military people. Right? If, if you're saying we're gonna instate the kingdom of God, you should at least have a few military people to come against the military machine of Rome, right? These weren't, like Rome was the empire of the day. And these ordinary people are being a part of this new kingdom. And in this movement, this movement's seemingly final hour, the Roman government put down the hammer and they executed the movement's leader. Rome showed their force of power and they say, you think this is a kingdom? Watch me kill your king. Watch me kill the king of the Jews. And they put Jesus on a cross and he died, movement over. Except for three days later, movement leader rose back up from the dead. It's never been seen before. Right, Jesus rose from the dead and he proved that there is no ruler, there is no power, there is no government, not even death can hold King Jesus down. And so the movement spread. These 12 men, these 12 disciples went out and they started small churches and these churches began to sprout up places and everywhere the gospel went, they faced persecution and they faced trial and they faced oppression, but it just began to spread like wildfire and it grew and it grew and it covered the Mediterranean and the Middle East, and went out to Asia, went up to Scandinavia, crossed oceans and mountains and borders. It came to us. Do you know how far away we are from Jerusalem? It's here, right? We've received the gospel, and it's continuing to spread to the most remote part of the world where languages are still being discovered. And the gospel is growing. It's branching far. And we've seen that there is not a single... Human power on earth that can ever stop the kingdom of God. And there never will be. Nothing can hold down King Jesus and the spread of his kingdom. So the kingdom of God starts small, but the kingdom of God grows. It grows. The kingdom of God grows. If you're a gardener, if you're a planter, If you're a farmer, which is probably not a lot of us in here, seeds have a little more significance. It's a little bit more than just the annoyance and the tooth. Seeds are hope. Seeds are hope for a harvest, hope for a future, hope for prosperity, hope for life. And Jesus spread the seeds of the kingdom all over. In fact, he spread them with himself. Paul picks this up in Corinthians, right? It says, Jesus died. He went into the ground. He was planted like a seed and he came back up in new life, and it just spread. Right, The kingdom spread, the kingdom growed, and these gospel seeds are constantly being planted and spread. And some of you, when I I say that (laughs) it started with the smallest seed, the poppy seed is the smallest seed I can imagine. He says the smallest seed is the mustard seed. It's probably the most... Historical joke. I'm going to say opium didn't make it to the the Middle East yet at that point. But they only knew the mustard seed, right? So it's just that poppy seed is the smallest seed we know. And some of you are like, man, I know how it feels to be the poppy seed. I know how it feels to be the smallest thing. I know how it feels like to be be the only representative of the kingdom of God. Last week, we looked at this scene. Some of you are like having an anxiety attack right now just looking at that. Shivers down your spine. Right? This well-known scene of your high school or middle school hallway, and you know what it feels like to be the smallest, most insignificant individual in that hallway, to feel like you're the only member of the kingdom of God, the only representative there, the only one that follows Jesus and this loud, moving body of human beings. But I want you to know, history's proven it. The kingdom of God starts small, but it grows. You may be the smallest seed in your school right now, but the kingdom of God grows. The kingdom of God starts small, but it grows. And let's see how it grows. This is what Jesus says. He says, Yet, when it is sown, when that seed is sown, it grows up, and it becomes larger than all the garden plants, and it puts out large branches so the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. If you could do a side by side of that little seed and then the tree that it branches into, it'd be quite amazing. We see that the kingdom of God branches far. The kingdom of God branches far. It starts small. The kingdom of God starts small, but it branches far and it puts out these big, long branches that stretch far and this tree becomes huge and you can't you couldn't even put a size example of the seed compared to this tree. Because it's too small, right? But the tree grows. And it becomes the largest tree. The kingdom of God starts small, but it branches far. And there's some things that we learn about this tree. First of all, it says when it is sown, it grows. It grows. You're like, that is a great biological understanding of things that grow, right? I, I don't, I've never taken botany, but seeds grow. That's what I know, right? So it grows, but sometimes you've experienced this, that growth can take time, right? In the early days of the church, it spread like wildfire, like where persecution happened, it grew even bigger. But there's other places where growth is small, Um, Some of you know, some of you do not know, um, but in April 2017, I became the first time proud plant parent. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, I would like to introduce you to Sebastian. Yes. Um, I call him Seb the Succulent and or Sebulent for short. You may visit Sebulent, he lives in my office on the windowsill and he's so cute, look at him. Um, so, those of you uh, who were in my office the year that I got Sebulent, you would know that any time, any given time you're walking by my office, I'm literally sitting at the windowsill going, grow, grow, and they're like, that's not how it works, I'm like, but I want it to grow, I just want it to grow bigger. It takes so slow, so long. <laughs> it's so slow every single week i would water it delicately i was super afraid it was gonna die but a year later april 25th 2018 that is also my birthday in case you're wondering we celebrated seb's first birthday (laughs) look at him yes he's so cute with his little birthday hat (laughs) but look he grew Look how big he got. Oh, man. Yeah, Seb worked hard to grow. Man. But if Seb's taught me anything, Mr. Sebulent has taught me that growth takes time, which is very good for my spiritual life because sometimes I feel like I grow really slow, you know? (laughs) But Seb helps me know that growth takes time. So here's the thing. Don't get discouraged if growth takes time. If growth is slow... It takes time, but growth is inevitable. Growth will happen. In fact, we see that here in the passage. He says, when the seed is sown, it grows up and it becomes larger than all the garden plants. This growth is inevitable, right? This is going to grow. The kingdom of God is going to grow. It's not a question. It will grow up. It will become the largest tree. The kingdom of God will be the largest tree thing, the largest tree, the largest movement, the largest thing to be a part of, in the end, it is guaranteed. The growth is guaranteed. When you become a part of the kingdom of God, you become a part of a sure thing. You become a part of a kingdom that is growing and flourishing, whose king will rule over all. More than that, I thought it was interesting that this passage says it says, it puts out large branches so the birds of the air can make nests in it. It's like, why do you need to mention nests? And there's something about the kingdom of God where I think it's a refuge. I think it's a safe place. It's a place where we can rest our souls and our hearts and find peace in Jesus. I think that even the early apostles, right, who were persecuted and, and were tortured and died for their faith would still say that this is true, that the kingdom is a refuge, that it is a place, it is a place where your soul will find peace, a place where your soul will find refuge. There's a lot of weights in our lives, there's a lot of anxieties in our lives, and I promise you that you'll never find peace for it, you'll never find life or breath or your burdens lifted outside you won 't find that outside of the kingdom of God. It is a refuge for us. We can rest our hearts in Jesus and lastly, check this out. The tree puts out large branches, large branches, large branches has heh, large branches has room for lots of birds, lots of birds this in kingdom includes many, many different types of people. This, the kingdom of God is not just for those kinds of people, right? In fact, there are no those kinds of people in the kingdom of God. We're all those kinds of people, right? The kingdom of God includes people from all different languages and races and cultures and backgrounds and, and good past and bad past and from a healed place, from a broken place. It includes all kinds of people, anyone who would call in the name of Jesus and say, Jesus is my king, it includes all of those people. There are people that you will probably think, man, there's no way they would ever follow Jesus. There's no way they would ever come into the kingdom of God. And suddenly you see them sitting on the branch next to you because Jesus has changed their life. As a bird, if you're a bird on the tree of the kingdom of God, is there room on the branch next to you? Are you willing to accept that there will be someone who's very different from you who will be a part of the kingdom of God with you? Jesus is making brothers and sisters of us. He's making brothers and sisters out of so many different people. This is the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus is teaching us about his kingdom. If you stick around long enough, there are certain things we will become a broken record on, and one of those is our citizens' core values. And one of our core values is that we engage in gospel mission. We engage in gospel mission. We are about spreading the gospel to our schools, to our people, to our spheres of influence, right? We engage in gospel mission wherever we go. We tell people about Jesus. And this is what it is. This is the kingdom of God. We see that the kingdom of God, it starts small, but it branches large. And so what is your part? First of all, will you be a part of the kingdom of God? And if you're a part of the kingdom of God, what is your part? See, the kingdom of God is growing, and we get to be a part of the kingdom of God. Paul picks up this passage uh, in Corinthians when he's talking about, he's talking to the church in Corinth, and he's talking about his work there. He says, I, Paul, I planted." but Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. We are God's co-workers. Do you realize that you are co-workers with God if you're part of the kingdom of God? Isn't that weird to think about? You're like, does he take the same lunch break as me? (laughs) Like, God is my co-worker? He's like, I get to work with God? And we do, guys, wherever your sphere of influence is, maybe it's the cheer team, maybe it's the chess team, maybe it's the band, maybe it's whatever other sports team you're on, wherever your sphere of influence is, you are, you're a seed being planted there. And as a citizen's community, we, we speak the gospel, we speak the truth, right? We sow gospel seeds and we water it with gospel truth and we see that God will make it grow. We are a part of the kingdom of God and we are God's fellow workers. This... This is our shift in our perspective. As Jesus drops into the pond of our heart and the ripple effects spread, one of the results is is that we have a different purpose. We live for the kingdom of God. We live for the mission of God. We live to see this tree grow and spread and we invite people in this tree and we tell them about the gospel we tell them about Jesus and how good he is and we see that God is working in the world that there is no human power that can overcome the kingdom of God, that it is supreme, it is growing, God is building it, God is doing it, that when you are engaged in gospel mission, you're working with the king of the universe. It's a guaranteed thing. So members of the kingdom of God, if you're a Christian here, if you claim that Jesus is king, here's a couple ways, that I want us to respond to this, and one of them is what are the ways that you've given into what I call Christian pessimism? Pessimism, it's a fun word to say. Where are the ways where you've thought, man, I don't know. Like, when I scroll through the garbage on Twitter and all the angry dialogue, right, when I scroll through some of the stuff on Instagram, I'm like, I don't, I think Christianity's dying, Like it feels like the voice of the culture and the voice of the world is shouting so loud that nobody can hear the gospel. I feel like the only one. I feel like it's like there's no reason to follow Jesus because no one's gonna hear about it. Don't give in to Christian pessimism. This is a kingdom that will last. This is a kingdom that will become the biggest kingdom in the world. Whatever you're afraid of, that will be the kingdom that rules over. Whatever kingdom you think will take over our futures or take over our life, know that Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And we continue to work with him. We continue to trust him that he will grow this tree. And secondly, where are you called to be a sower of the gospel? I think I broke it. Where are you called to be a gospel sower? Where are you called to spread gospel seed? Where is your friend group? Where is your sphere of influence? Where are you called to spread the gospel? So Christians in here, remember King Jesus and consider the place where you're called to spread the seed of the gospel. For those of you in here and you saying, I don't know, I don't have Jesus as king over my life. I don't. I don't know if I'm part of the kingdom of God. I don't think I'm a Christian. Um, We invite you to be a part of this community. We believe that Jesus is good and that he reigns over all. And there's lots, there's lots of room in this tree. You're welcome. Will you let King Jesus be king of your life? So citizens, we're gonna, as we think about these things, as we trust Jesus, as we think about the places that we're called to sow, gospel seed. I want us to respond a couple ways. Um, The band's going to come up, and you have a card in your notes tonight. And I want you to use this card as a guide for your school year in this way. I want you to write out um, areas where you feel like the Lord has placed you to be a sphere of influence. So maybe that is your Um, team or your club or your class or whatever it was a part of. For me, it would have been the band. That's pretty much the only thing I was a part of. I was part of the Red Cross club too. (laughs) You put down your sphere of influence and then um, start writing out specific names. Write out those names of your friends that you know don't currently follow Jesus or you'd like to tell them about God. And keep that card with you this year. Keep it in your Bible, put it on your mirror, keep it in your home so that you continue to remember and pray for those people because we can sow the seed, we can water it, but God gives the growth. So let us pray for those people that the Lord would include them in this tree, that they'd become a part of the kingdom of God. So we're gonna take a few moments. Um, We're gonna write those names down and then uh, we'll continue to respond together through musical worship. Let me pray for us before we we jump into that. Lord God, we thank you that you are king over all. Jesus, we thank you that you are supreme. Jesus, we thank you that your kingdom is guaranteed, that there is no power or human rule or authority that could ever stop your kingdom, that not even death itself could stop Jesus. And God, we thank you that you've allowed us to be a part of this kingdom, that you've allowed us to be a part of this growing and flourishing kingdom because of your great mercy for us. And God, would you help us to be coworkers with you? Would you help us to speak about you wherever we go? Would you help us to live in a way that reflects the kingdom of God, that looks so much different than the kingdom of this world? I pray that with our actions and our lives and our behaviors and our attitude, that we would just be spreading gospel seed wherever we go and we'd see your kingdom grow, that we'd see people in our high schools and our middle schools who we never thought would ever say the name of Jesus come to follow Jesus. God, I pray that you would, grow in us this heart that desires to see the kingdom of God grow, to bring in all kinds of different people? Would you give us a heart for that, Lord? And would you give us the courage to speak and the perseverance to continue to pray for those who we would like to see a part of this kingdom? God, we thank you that you will grow it. God, that you give the growth. And it's in your name we pray.